My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. What a beautiful hymn. Thank you, Pastor Chris, for choosing that hymn this morning. What a, what a home run, Bill. Thank you. That was a home run. I was thinking about that hymn before I came, and I was thinking, Lord, is that going to be in the service? Bill, yes. Amen. Thank you. Boy, that does hit a home run, though, doesn't it? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You know, we're traveling through the Lenten season right now. And uh, for many of you, it's been many years of observance of Lent. And uh, I know that it affects us differently in different ways at different times. Uh, Lent is certainly a time of reflection, reflecting upon our sinfulness and the great cost that God paid through his son, Jesus, uh, to take away that sin on the cross of Calvary. I mean, it's, it's really an awesome time. Uh, we try to maybe do away with some things that we normally do in life to focus more on the cross. You know, I'm giving up something for Lent or whatever. And that can be helpful because we want to sort of push aside the things in life that get in the way of the cross. And there are many things that do that. There are many things that get in our way. And we let them take over and almost occupy our lives. And Jesus becomes somewhat of a side issue at times until we really need him. And then we're fervent in prayer. We're, we're on our knees and we say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God calls us back through his Holy Spirit to the cross. And we know that our hope, our sure and certain hope of forgiveness of sin and heaven as our home is squarely on Jesus. You know, there's a common expression we've often used. I use it in life. You've used it too. Um, and I've often asked people this. Um, I met uh, my uh, granddaughter's uh, boyfriend the other day, first time. Okay. Um, and, I, and she had told me ahead of time, Papa, don't, don't make him uncomfortable. I said, I won't. But, <laughs> but the first thing I said to him was, uh, what are your hopes and dreams? And my granddaughter looked at me and went, ugh. But I wanted, to, I wanted to know what his hopes and dreams were. I, you know, what do you see in your life ahead? It's a good question, isn't it? What are your hopes and dreams? We all have hopes and dreams. Uh, when we're young, when we're middle-aged, when we're older, we all have hopes and dreams. Well, you want to know what he said. <laughs> he said, well, you know, I haven't thought about it that much. And I said, well, you know, you will. Because as life goes on and we face all the different kinds of decisions that we have to make, you will have a vision and a focus and an expectation of what you want to accomplish or what you want to achieve or basically possess in life. And then I said, it's all about Jesus. 
Well, later on, after they left the house, my granddaughter called me back later, and she said, Papa, you didn't have to preach a sermon. I said, I didn't. It was, it was just a little brief witness, <laughs> just a brief witness. But it, uh, I think it hit home because he did listen. So we hope and pray that his hopes and dreams, as our hopes and dreams are, need to always be focused and squared against God's grace and mercy in Jesus for us. Um, we've all had hopes, and we've all had disappointments. We've hoped maybe for a job. We've hoped maybe for a spouse. We've hoped for a family. We've hoped for uh, some sort of possession of something or something. Uh, we've hoped maybe for power, control. Hopefully not some of the negative things in life, but they can become that. We have all kinds of hopes, and we sometimes obsess over them. You know, they're like morning, noon, and night. I'm thinking about this. I can't get it out of my mind. Now, it would be great if we obsessed about Jesus that way. We can't get him out of our mind. But that's not a natural thing that we do. It's our fallen nature that wants to kind of push the sure and certain hope, Jesus, by the wayside. And so we march on our own into the future. The days ahead, we take it under our own strength and power rather than relying upon God's word and his promises. The Apostle Paul, boy, what a, what a, what a man of God who was given the, just an understanding, an, an inspired word of thought and, and, and action and resolve. Uh, to share the word of God as he received it from God himself. The book of Romans, of course, was Martin Luther's favorite book. Why? Because it's so focused and was so intent on proclaiming justification by faith. We are made right with God through faith in Jesus. Amen. And that was the heart, soul, and center of the Christian faith. And Paul really gets into that in Romans in so many ways. In this fifth chapter, it's so clear, isn't it? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. The sure and certain hope. Well, what did Paul say? You know, he said so many things, but one of, the, one of, the, one of his uh, expressions and themes that so often catches me and grabs me is, you know, for me to live is Christ and to die is even better because it's gain, because heaven is my home, but for me to live out my days on earth, for me to live is Christ. In other words, I'm all consumed with him. Because he has been all consumed with me. That's what Lent's all about. It's God's reminder for us that, man, he is all consumed with us. I mean, his life, his suffering, his death, his resurrection. For us. For us. And for the whole world. True hope. 
is only found in Christ. Now that sounds like a pretty absolute truth, but it is. It's God's word. It's God's declaration, isn't it? Think of it. God made all things. He is over all things. And God in his mercy and his grace, his love and forgiveness, gives us his son, Jesus, through the power of the Spirit. We, we live in Christ, our true hope of glory. So we are pretty consumed people as we live each day. Oh, we have hopes and dreams, and, and those things are, you know, they hit us in life as we travel down life's road. And sometimes we attain them, sometimes we don't, but there's one thing that we always have, and that's Jesus. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And you know what? That just, I, I think sometimes we'd like to relegate that to our spiritual side of life, if you will. In other words, I live this way during the week and on Sunday I have kind of a spiritual uplift or ignition. Our total life is wrapped up in God's grace and forgiveness. Everything we do, everything we hope for, by God's grace and mercy, for his glory. By God's grace and mercy, for his glory. Can we take that down to some real personal levels, do you think? About a spouse, by God's grace and God's glory. How about a job, by God's grace and by God's glory? How about, uh, how about struggling and yet overcoming and getting through a very difficult time in life by God's grace for God's glory. You see, we're totally wrapped up in everything that God has accomplished for us in Jesus. We don't have compartmentalized lives. I don't have one foot over here and one foot over here. Well, I couldn't do it anyway. But we're one. God has made us one, and Jesus... Uh, Man, he, he went the way for us. But, you know, it's so important for us to remember. And we struggle with it every day. Um, I was thinking about our hopes and dreams. And what came to me this morning, or last week rather, was a reading from Ecclesiastes. Now you're going to say, oh boy, Ecclesiastes. This guy wasn't real optimistic. But he was realistic, Right? realistic in knowing that our hope our hope cannot be within ourselves in our world in our things but our hope needs to be always in God always in God well I want to read to you just a brief section here just a few verses the writer begins in chapter 2 I wanted to see what good what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. Well, maybe some of us will live to be, I don't know, 110. Bill? No. He's already saying no to me. So, But you don't know. Do you? No, we don't. But few days, few days. 
I wanted to see what was good for people to do for their few days. So he said, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and I had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Tazewell County, no, <laughs> in Jerusalem. But you get the point. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom, my hopes stayed with me. I, decide, I de denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind and nothing was gained under the sun. Hope in this world tied to the so-called pleasures of the world really are meaningless. Yet so often we spend so much energy, so much time, so much treasure in trying to, in some, some way, become happy and joyful. And then we stumble, and then we fall. Well, that's the reality of life. The writer to Ecclesiastes, he was just saying, hey, this is my heart. This, I'm looking at everything that I've got and everything that I've accomplished, and you know what? I still lack the one thing needful. Didn't Jesus talk about that? The one thing needful, Jesus' blood and righteousness, holding to his work of salvation in faith. Knowing whatever the world has in store for me each and every day, I, and I don't know what it is, but I know one thing for sure, God never lets me go. He never lets go of me, he holds me fast, he's, he's got me in his hands. And he offers me the hope. You know, our past and our present and our future, when you look at it in this way, our hope in Christ has been there, is there, and will always be there. You know, that's kind of a, that's, a, that's peace, that gives us peace. I'm sure all of you would agree. I, I'm not sure about tomorrow or, or next week or, uh, you know, I was at a train show last weekend and there's another one coming up in November. Well, 
I'm not sure I'll be there. I'd like to be there. I, I enjoy that kind of thing. I, I enjoy hobbies and so on, and I enjoy my family and my friends. I, I enjoy being able to preach and, and, and just travel the circuit. Not on a horse, though, like uh, you know who. Think of the guy up in Michigan years ago um, <laughs> when he first came over here. But I, I enjoy things, and we all do. But these things that we enjoy on earth, these tangible things that we touch, are so temporary. However, people are not temporary. Jesus died on Calvary's cross for everyone. People are eternal. And you want to be on the right side of eternity, right? Nobody wants to be on the left side. Nobody wants to be separated from God. We want to be with him and each other. And everything that we live by and everything that we focus on, the days that we walk this planet, are grounded in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground is, you know, sinking sand. Sinking sand. You ever tried to run through sand that's deep? It's very difficult. It can consume you. Christ brings us through. Without Christ, we have no true hope. We have Jesus today, and we'll always have him. Our hope, our hopes and dreams are centered in him and always need to be. During our times of worship and devotion and prayer and during the seasons of the church here, which we lift, are lifted up for us, and it's such a beautiful teaching way to remind us that as Jesus walked the way of Calvary, he walked it for us. Jesus didn't have to die for his sins, but he took the sins of what? The whole world upon himself. Makes the meaning of John 3.16 even more penetrating and powerful. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son. Are we blessed? Are we a blessed people? Are we overwhelmingly blessed by God? Yes, we are. Even though, as Paul points out in this fifth chapter, life is filled with trials and troubles and struggles and suffering. There's no way to avoid it. But it's our hope in Christ and his victory that enables us to come through, right? It enables us to walk and to run and to be the person that God wants us to be. A hope that never disappoints. He's brought us through. He continues to do so and will always. Till we meet him and all who love him, that is, love is appearing, heaven is our home. 
May God enable us to walk with him on this road to Calvary in faith, knowing that he is our sure hope that never disappoints. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. And all God's people said, amen.